I spoke last week basically on the topic of friendship, being friends with God, his desire for friendship with each of us, and how that related and translated, especially as people in the body of Christ, to friends being friends with one another. The many benefits that these friendships can provide, peace and rest and comfort and safety. And all this happened, if you recall, back from Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, in a place Moses called the Tabernacle of Meeting. Now, I'm sure all of us have had moments like this, experience that provide a sense of definition in our lives. We thank the Lord that he meets us each and every day. We thank the Lord that he walks with us each and every day. But many of us have had those unique or special times when we've set aside or gotten away or taken the time to focus completely on him and receive something deeper. It may have been on something that you just went for a day someplace where you could kind of get away from the distractions of life. It may have been something much more organized on a retreat of some type, whether with a group or personal. But when you got away to just focus on the goodness of God, but also to learn from him in a unique way. As we now turn our gaze from what we had been talking about, looking forward to six weeks from now when the church worldwide will celebrate the greatest event in human history, the resurrection. A single event that changed everything. I want to talk for the next several weeks about being with him. Because we all need to be with him. He's already promised to be with us. We need to be with him. So a good place for me to start is being with Jesus on the mountain. Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse number one. Now, therefore, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them on a high mountain by themselves. And as he was transfigured before... And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, look, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles or tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and, a, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Being with Jesus on the mountain. Now, Jesus often went away on his own or kind of separated himself to pray. And most times he was alone, but there were other times that are recorded in the Gospels where he would take 
what came to be known as somewhat of an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. So they travel up a mountain. They get to the top of a mountain, and all of a sudden, everything changes. In Luke's gospel, according to this uh, account, he says their faces became white and glistening. It also says in Luke's gospel, as this was all happening, as Jesus was praying and this event began to happen, and what we call the transfiguration occurred, the three disciples were heavy with sleep. It's difficult to know, the scriptures don't give us any insight, into what the disciples were expecting when they went up that mountain. Equally, when we set ourselves apart and, and kind of get away with the Lord for a time, it's often that we don't know what we're going to um, have or what's going to happen or how the Lord will meet us. But while they were watching, two visitors appear. Now, all the accounts in the scriptures make it clear. These two visitors were Moses and Elijah. Now, they had been with Jesus, the disciples, for a little over three years now. They'd heard him in various situations. They'd seen him heal. They'd hear, they had heard him preach. They'd witnessed him raise people from the dead. And yet, they must have, in this moment, realized they hardly knew him at all. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah's faces were all shining like the sun, and their clothes were like pure light. Now, it's important for each and every believer, each and every Christian, no exceptions, to know and be grounded solidly in the word of Almighty God. We need to be well-informed and solid on what and why we believe. We need to be able to give an account, give an answer as to the inner workings of our faith. But let's, let's just be honest. There are those moments of our faith that defy explanation. All we can say is probably what Peter, James, and John said, something happened. And I'll never be the same again. What a scene. Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, one of the greatest prophets. And all of a sudden, they're there. Now, both Moses and Elijah, according to the Old Testament, had had their own mountain experiences. Moses first met and heard the Lord's voice on a mountain where he was told, take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And Elijah had witnessed the power of God defeat the powers of the enemy on the side of a mountain when fire came down. So in a sense, this was the law and the prophets talking with the living gospel in Jesus. Now, this was not just some casual meetup. This was not Moses and Elijah stopping by saying, hey, JC, what's up? Luke's gospel tells us something sobering. In Luke chapter 9, verse number 30 and 31. And behold, the two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decrease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. They came to discuss with him 
the crucifixion and all that would lead up to it. They came to discuss on this mountain to people who had much experience with mountains about Jesus climbing to another high place, about Jesus coming to another high peak, a hill called Calvary. What a scene to behold. The disciples weren't feeling very comfortable. The Bible says they were greatly afraid. When the true power of God floods our lives, it can be overwhelming. In fact, it should be overwhelming. Peter, trying to think of something to say, suggested, let's make tents for Moses and Elijah. And then they heard a voice speak, which is the main part of my message today. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. I have to wonder at times when I look at the church today, if we do. The original word there in Aramaic literally means not just hear, but to listen with the intention of obeying. And it didn't say listen to them. It said listen to him. This was not about adding anything to Jesus. We're to listen to Jesus and him only. This was not about Jesus and the law. This was not about Jesus and the prophets. This was not about Jesus and anything else. When we come as Christians before God's throne, it's about obeying Jesus and him and him alone. This was for them, that message, and it's for us today, listening to Jesus and obeying him and him alone. Not listening to Jesus and popular opinion. Not listening to Jesus and keeping up with the times. Not listening to Jesus and being relevant in history. It's about, listen, it, it's about listening to Jesus and him alone. Many people have said to me when I've taken a stand on various issues, but how will history judge you? How will history assess you? You know, I'm really not concerned with how history will judge me, much more concerned with how Jesus will. I'm not concerned. This is not about listening to Jesus and our changing society. But those words were written so long ago, and things have changed. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They don't get me wrong. I believe in being relevant. I believe in reaching this current age and this current generation and this current people right where they are. And that's difficult to do if, unless we first understand where they are. But figuring out how to communicate the truth of God's word doesn't mean we change anything about God's word. God's word made many things clear. He is the only way. But pastor, there are so many other belief systems. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God except through Jesus. This wasn't about adding anything to the Lord. What those three men saw on the mountaintop was that Jesus alone is the one we obey and listen to. All because we received the command not just to hear, but to listen and obey. What an experience. And then as they're having this experience, 
it's over. Don't you hate when retreats come to an end? (laughs) You just want them to go on forever. Moses and Elijah were gone. The white lights were gone. And all appeared to be kind of back to normal. This was by design. Because you and I were never meant to live on the mountain. Because that's not where the people are. We were meant to live in the valley. Now, it's great to visit the mountain. I like visiting mountains, especially if I don't have to climb a ladder to get there, since I don't like ladders. But in just a few short weeks, these three disciples and Jesus would face tremendous trials. In a short time, Jesus would be mocked and beaten and crucified and murdered on a cross. And as far as these disciples, in just a few short weeks, after proclaiming their undying commitment, they would all run away. And Peter would deny him three times. Now, one could critique them and say, gee, what did that mountaintop do for you? In just a few short weeks, you're gone. I tend to look at things a little differently as you've come to learn. Yet, I see that I can also understand that their mountaintop experience and them hearing the voice of the father saying how much he was pleased with his son and sensing that love between them. Let them know that even after denying him, that God would take them back, that God would forgive them. Being with Jesus on mountaintops is awesome, and I thank the Lord for those times in my life And we hope and pray they give us new insight and new strength to give us an understanding as to why we're here. But ultimately, any time we go on the mountaintop, one thing is certain. We're going to have to come off. We're going to have to come down. Because we weren't meant to live there. Because the people that have needs... Don't go up on the mountain to see Jesus. Our mission is in the valley. That's why we're still here. Pastor, I don't know why God has me here. Because there are people out there who have needs. And you know Jesus. And people need to hear about Jesus. People need to see Jesus lived out in your life and in mine. People need to see that there is a point to not only hearing him, but following him. And that distinction is important. Did you ever have someone in your life who said they were hearing, but they really weren't listening? Usually we call them children. That they're, yeah, mom and dad, I heard you. but really not listening. And that's okay. Don't look at the children we have here in our church. Each one of us was the exact same way when we were young. I can remember constantly my mom and dad saying, are you listening? And I had the common sense never to tell the truth and say, nope. Yes, of course I'm listening. Thankfully, they never asked me to repeat what they just said. But this isn't about just our inability to focus and listen to one another. 
This is about hearing the voice of God and hearing him and listening. They must have had this experience on the mountaintop and it must have been something they remembered for the rest of their lives. An event that remained unparalleled. Now we have no record of any of the disciples mentioning that they had other equal experiences like this. Although you can make the argument that perhaps John did when he had that visitation from the Lord on the island of Patmos, in which came the book of Revelation. The church, we cannot live on mountaintops. We cannot stay there. It'd be wonderful to be able to come to church and just kind of hang out here forever. It'd be wonderful to be in those places on a retreat or in some special circumstance where we're able to connect with God. And when that connection is established, just stay there and enjoy the presence of the Lord. There's a word for that in the Bible. It's called heaven. And none of us are there yet. We cannot live on mountaintops. Of course, it's great to be with the, with the Lord on the mountaintop. But the blessing that we have is that we can be with the Lord in the valleys as well. You know the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, being with God on the mountaintop is awesome. Being with him in the valley isn't bad either. We also need to be with Jesus as he ministers to the sick. We need to be with Jesus Jesus as he walks with sinners. We need to be with Jesus as his name is mocked and persecuted and dismissed. Let's be people of strong faith. Let's be people who are going to be with him regardless of where that is. A faith that fully enjoys being with him in mountaintop experiences and also enjoys being with him in the valley. Our brothers and sisters, Christians in Ukraine, are experiencing the valley right now. And what's most important is that they be with Jesus. And they take daily strength from him each and every moment. All of us have had those experiences where we go into these places where we can step aside. And the way I read most Christians in our culture is when, we, when they do that, they're expecting the Lord to fill them with some new revelation and it's new joy and new hope and new strength. But Luke's gospel tells us that in this situation, what Moses and Elijah also came to discuss with him 
was the coming crucifixion. I wonder how many of us would run to the mountaintop if we knew what the Lord wanted to talk to us about was some challenge that was on our horizon for which he wanted us to be prepared. We're living in difficult times. We're living in dangerous times. We're living in unchristian times. People around us have, on a regular basis, called wrong right, have called evil good, have just walked away from any concept of an absolute truth or an absolute truth giver. But no matter what, Lord, I will hear you and I will obey you. But pastor, you're just being backward. Guilty as charged. You're just being old-fashioned. Guilty as charged. You're not keeping up with the times. Guilty as charged. You're not being compassionate to the things of today. Wrong. The greatest compassion we can have as believers is to understand that it is not human love or human concern or human compassion that sets people free. It is truth that sets them free. And that's the truth of the gospel. And there was no one more compassionate toward people than Jesus. So I want to be with him no matter where. I want to be with him on the mountain. I want to be with him in the valley. I want to be with him in wonderful places. I want to be with him in awful places. Because after all, the Bible is clear. Where can I go from your presence? If I go into heaven, you're there. If I descend into hell, you're there. If I go to the uttermost parts of the earth, even there, your right hand will hold me. And your presence will be with me. Being with Jesus on the mountaintop like these disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration, an event that probably changed their lives forever, also was supposed to prepare them for the weeks ahead. What is God preparing you for? What is God getting us ready for as a church, as a body of Christ? I don't have the direct answers. All I know, whatever we're being prepared for, he is able. He is able to keep us. He is able to sustain us. He is able to protect us. He is able to provide for us. It doesn't matter, although I guess it matters, but ultimately, eternally, it doesn't matter how high the price of gas goes. My God's got enough. My God can provide for me in any situation. It doesn't matter what happens in the Middle East or what happens in Eastern Europe. My God is still the Prince of Peace. And the Bible hasn't changed. In all situations, I can learn to be content with what I have and where I am. You know, uh, this past Friday night, I got called from work because one of the partners of our firm was 
having an issue gathering data for a court case. So I got the emails, I, I jumped on and began corresponding with him and was able to gather the information he wanted. But it took time. So when I sent him the final email that all the information was ready, he could begin looking at it. And I looked at the clock on my computer and it was after 1.30 in the morning. And I know full well he was probably going to be working for another couple hours. But I had the good sense to say that at the end of my email, good night. <laughs> I'm going to bed. But before I went to sleep, I kind of picked up my phone and just quickly gazed at my Facebook timeline. And I don't know why it happened on this night. But I just noticed how many believers that I know, friends of mine that I've known for years, had posted that they were still up at this late hour and that they were anxious. And I can appreciate and be compassionate about that. There's a lot going on in our world. But the answer to the anxiety that we feel, the answer to the uncertainty, the lack of rest or the unsettledness we feel deep inside is not the price of gas going down. The answer to our worries is not peace reigning in Eastern Europe. The answer to our anxieties is being with Jesus and understanding that he is still on the throne. Everybody else seems to be competing for a throne, but God is still on the throne. And he'll not ever come down. So I quickly prayed for each of them. And I can tell you with no misgivings whatsoever, I was asleep within seconds. Sound asleep. Mainly because one o'clock in the morning is way, way too late for me. It's much easier for me to get up early in the morning. I'm one of those annoying people that you know that at about 6.30, I'm up. Like up, up. And people say, well, that's after you've had a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee. I'm just naturally up. That's who I am. Come 9, 10 o'clock at night, you better be Jesus coming because I'm down. It's just, I'm not a night person. My wife's the other way. For her, the morning starts around 11.30 noon. But she can go all night. So for her, an all-night prayer meeting is right within her wheelhouse. For me, it's a major sacrifice. And aren't you glad God meets us right where we are? So be with Jesus. Wherever and whenever your mountain exists, let's be with Jesus as we approach the resurrection. Stand with me, please.